0: The whole premise of the book is, you know, stuff you can make from your pantry and the title Don't Panic Pantry is really his ethos too, right? Like he he's he's pretty calm. He's just like, you know, take what's in your pantry, like you're going to be fine. Welcome to Didn't I Just Feed You? A podcast about feeding kids.
1: Hi, I'm Stacy and I'm Megan. Today we're s- <laughs>
2: i love you so much
1: that was such a great hello i realize i do like a different inflection every time and it's it best. kind of cracks me up too but <laughs> i what i am genuinely excited because today we get to talk to brian stewart a host of salt and spine podcast for our annual annual five years running best cook books of the year episode
2: I love this episode so much. Brian is the only guest that we have had on literally every single year since we started the show in 2018. And this episode is one of our favorite traditions. And actually, it's not just the best cookbooks of the year, because every publication does that, right? It's the best cookbooks in categories that are very relevant to busy, tired parents. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's the one, people. Yeah. It's this one. This is the list for you. And
1: every year we give Brian uh, wackier and wackier categories. <laughs> yes, Although totally. this year we're repeating a couple categories that just remain relevant, like cookbook ideas for tired parents. Um, but every year he delivers, I think uh, some, I'm like, I'm always a little challenging. Like, oh, will this be the one that stumps him? And then every year he has incredible recommendations.
2: He knows every cookbook. It's amazing. He really does. And he
1: can be like, and like from 10 years ago too, he'll be like, this is a follow up from the last decade. It's so good. And
2: he's tried them all. Do you know what I mean? Like, he'll be like, oh, I tried this one. I didn't try this recipe, but it's popular. Like it's really, he's such an incredible resource and well
1: of knowledge yes and so is Salt and Spine it's a great listen if you haven't checked it out already Our subscribers are getting our extensive gift guide next week, and we like to think of this as a supplement to that because, of course, we think cookbooks make great gifts. So if you want to get those bonus episodes, those subscriber episodes, sign up for our supporting community at you.com backslash community. There you can get other goodies, other perks, like our ad-free stream and monthly live Q&A sessions.
2: Yeah. So- I know you said it. I'm just repeating it for the people in the back. (laughs) That gift guide episode is going out to our subscribers. Yes. Our bonus feed subscribers on Apple Podcasts and our supporting members in the community. So, like, those are the two ways you can get those two bonus episodes, including the gift guide, which we put so much time and effort into because we just like to. And we have heard year after year, not to toot our own horn, but toot, toot. People really love it. Like we've had a lot good. of people who write to us and DM us saying like, I got a ton of shopping done through this gift guide. So it's uh, becoming a supporting member or buying our bonus feed through Apple podcast is a nice little gift to yourself. It's also a nice little gift to us because it helps support the podcast and then you get this great gift guide, guys, and everything else. Oh, and I want to be clear that when you subscribe, you'll get every past yeah. bonus episode, too. So you'll have a whole backlog of great full-length ad-free episodes that you can catch up
1: on. Which you might want in December well, when we're like on a little yeah. bit of a break. We're not publishing as many new episodes. We're, we're resharing a couple episodes. Yeah, I think it's a great value.
2: I do, too. <laughs> We're biased. Very we biased. It.
1: Okay, Cece. Yeah. With the most pressing question, mm-hmm. what has been your favorite cookbook of 2023?
2: Ah, that's so hard. I feel like I haven't even cooked for the second half of 2023. Or I have, but it's been real, like, from the hip, super simple. It's not like I've been able to pull out a cookbook and, you know, dig in, except for one that has even made. In fact, oh, uh, I wish I had taken a picture. Maybe it's still down there. So uh, everything was packed up for so long. Yeah. And uh, I bought this cookbook fairly recently it's a fairly recent release it was released in the second half of this year i kept it in the kitchen downstairs in our apartment where i was like throwing together these kind of makeshift dinners while the renovation was being finished and it is drum roll let's eat 101 recipes to fill your heart and home by dan pelosi aka
1: grossy pelosi which we've talked about dan in a couple of what we're cooking and eating now episodes because he has like great viral pasta recipes, like his vodka sauce. I don't know why I said it like that. Sauce. (laughs) The sauce. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. He, in
2: my opinion, he has mastered the Italian-American classics. You know, he lives in Brooklyn. I think he grew up in the Northeast too. I feel like he grew up in Connecticut or something. Yes right and he lives in brooklyn he like has a country house like upstate kind of near me which is a very popular thing for people who live in new york city just to get out of to be able to get out of the city and so he like gets this fabulous like in season produce and he makes this delicious italian american cuisine which really is i mean i know it's popular everywhere but when you grow up in new york city the tri-state area, New Jersey, Connecticut, it's a kind of food that is just so near and dear to your heart, you know. In New Jersey, every pizzeria is not just a place where you go get a slice or, like, go pick up your pie. There's always, no matter how, not hole in the wall, but, like, how casual the pizza counter is there's always a couple of tables and chairs and you can get chicken parm you can get spaghetti and meatballs you can get all this delicious food and i feel like dan's food is inspired by that and he manages to both kind of elevate it a little bit but in a way where it doesn't lose its simplicity and its soul
1: yes and he's a great follow on instagram or on tiktok he has such vivacious energy
2: yeah yes totally
1: so just love love dan Great pick, Stacey.
2: Thanks. So 2023. What is your favorite cookbook of
1: the year, Megan? Okay. This is gonna be a surprise to no one that I loved Baking by Fuel.
2: Yes, I had a feeling. Yes. Okay. Um,
1: we we did an interview with Becca Ray Tucker earlier this year in the spring. Um and I had already followed her her as the sweet feminist for a really long time. And then I don't know. Have we ever talked about this? That when I was much younger, when I was a single lady, I had wanted to write a baking book that was like breakup baking, like your emotions tied to breaking up with boyfriends and girlfriends in your twenties, uh, as they related to to cookie baking or baking in general. I have no
2: idea. No, you've never. Mentioned and so
1: this. I feel like Becca's book is exactly what I envisioned because it's broken up by emotion rather than like cookie type or baked big good type. And um, they really do hit the mark. I made her chocolate chip cookie recipe for a while, like every single week. I think it was like six weeks. The thing about it is it requires an egg yolk. And I think I stopped because I was like, I have too many egg whites (laughs) (laughs) that I don't know what to do with. And her brownie recipe is great. And so um, it's just like a really fun, a really fun cookbook. And I think being in touch with our feelings as it relates to food and using food as a vehicle, especially cooking for other people, is a great way to process emotions, too.
2: Yeah. When we were speaking with Becca, you talked about that, yes. just about how, like, baking is very physical for you yeah. and, like, just Cathartic. it's a way for you to be in your body. Yes. Which is kind of, I don't know, I think of it as being a tenant of meditation or um, mindfulness more than not so much Yes, meditation. I don't know that much about meditation, but mindfulness. Yes. Just the idea of, like, if you can just be in your body and feel exactly what's going on. Yes. How good that is for you. It helps emotions not be stuck. Baking doesn't make me feel. Like my
1: you should go listen to the episode for more on that. And we should just get into Brian because every time we're like, oh, we, if this will be quick. Like, we only have, I don't know, eight categories. And then it, we just always get into these other, like, little conversations and sometimes he knows so much has like secondary recommendations and so it's really just so wonderful so without further ado let's bring Brian on Brian, welcome back to Didn't I Just Feed You and our now annual tradition of talking about cookbooks every year. I think
2: every year I say that Brian's our favorite guest <laughs> and then you, you tell me that I shouldn't say that
1: because our other guests will get upset with You know what? I us. changed my mind on that then. Yay! I think we should just say Brian's our favorite guest. Oh. Sorry, everyone else can be num- fight for the number two position. Yes. Oh. Yes. Well,
0: thank you. This is This is one of my favorite times of the year too. I look forward to it every year.
1: It does feel like it kicks off our holiday season in a weird way, like, all right, we're wrapping up the year. We're talking about gifts, but I'm super curious to hear from you how you feel like cookbooks have changed in 2023 or like what is exciting about them? What is it this year that's unique about cookbooks?
0: Yeah, it's been a really exciting year. I was looking back through all of the books in preparation for our chat and, you know, we didn't have a ton of like big, big names. We didn't have a new Ina Garten this year. We had like a a new Molly Boz, for instance, but like there wasn't a lot of like big, big celebrity books that people really look forward to. And yet it was like a very exciting year with a mix of like a lot of diverse cuisines, a lot of home cooking and really like creative home cooking. I think there was a little bit of a move towards pantry cooking, home cooking right before the pandemic, coincidentally. And then the pandemic hit and everybody, of course, went in that direction. And I think we're starting to see sort of the next wave of that where like there's still an attention to home cooking and there's not a lot of restaurant books this year there's very few actually that really broke through it's really about home cooking in creative and unique ways so it's it's moving a little bit away from the like we all must bake sourdough every single day and like you know sustain ourselves locked away in our homes to like we want to en- enjoy home cooking and how do we do that with some really you know creative guides and recipes
2: That's so interesting. I do feel like there was a crop of younger, vibrant, diverse cookbook authors and food personalities that came out of the pandemic that really piqued the interest of a younger target audience. And it's interesting to think about that target audience during the pandemic being like, oh my gosh, we really do have to feed ourselves. (laughs) We can't get takeout every night. And now them sort of growing in their own evolution like the evolution of a generation into like okay well now we have the basics down and we don't have to survive and we can go out with our friends but we can also have dinner parties get more creative and do cool stuff in our kitchens
0: yeah i i agree there are a couple great like Gathering books too, like uh, mm. fun dinner party books, and you know, I feel like we talked about this last year, but TikTok continues to be a place yeah. where cookbook publishers are looking to. And there was a New York Times article recently. I'm pretty sure um, Priya Krishna wrote it. I would have to double check, but about um, TikTok stars getting cookbooks, and you know, the big question always being, are are they going to sell? And they're they're doing quite well. And so there's been a big number, like a, a good handful of TikTok books this year. Um, and so I think it taps into like these online personalities, these people who we sort of felt like we were cooking alongside during the pandemic now can become like trusted voices on our cookbook shelf too.
1: But that's a question that I have not will their cookbook sell because I think they will if they have a large audience, but are their recipes reliable? Does what does well on TikTok actually serve the home cook?
0: I think it depends on a case by case basis. I think some of the the bigger TikTok stars have like done some good recipe testing, and the recipes seem to work. I won't I won't speak for all of them, but uh, I think on the on the <laughs> whole, they seem to be like they're they've done a pretty good job of producing useful recipes. There's one or two that I've seen that just felt like you know not something I really really need in my kitchen, but there's a few that are like I'm really excited about.
1: Do you want to share? Yeah. I, uh,
0: sure. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm yeah, not.
1: let's <laughs> jump in. i not trying
0: to be coy.
1: Which
0: ones? <laughs> <laughs> You know, I think one of the biggest personalities from TikTok over the past few years is Nick DiGiovanni, who got a little famous for his knife drop that he'd always do at the start of his videos, dropping his knife into the the cutting board, which you shouldn't do; it's bad for your knives, um, but it looks very cool. And I think he's admitted that he does it with a an old knife or something, not not his <laughs> <laughs> trusted chef's knife. Uh, but he has a, a new book that came out this year. His first book called "Knife Knife Drop." That's the title. Creative recipes. Anything can cook. He is he's super talented. He was the youngest finalist ever on Master Chef. Um, he still is close to Gordon Ramsay. Gordon Ramsay wrote the foreword to the book. They did some promotions together. Um, he's developed recipes with Andrew Zimmern and Robert Irvine that are in the book, and some other like TikTok stars. So he, I think he cooks pretty simple recipes. He he has like a garlic butter steaks tips recipe that went really viral. Mm -hmm. Um, He has a few pasta dishes. He was sort of credited with creating the pasta chips, frying the pasta Mm -hmm. to make pasta (laughs) chips that you can then dip into things. Mm -hmm. So he, he's got fun recipes like that too. But I think his is one that like, he knows what he's doing. He's, he's spent a lot of time training. He's really a chef, but also has, you know, 20-plus million followers that he can sort of command. So um, that that book I actually added to my shelf, and I'm excited to cook from that one.
1: Is that the only one from the TikTok generation of cookbooks this year? There's
0: a bunch of others, honestly. Aton Bernath had one that I think was like end of last year, maybe.
1: I think maybe we included it in last year's cookbook guide. I think maybe yeah. we
0: did. B. Dylan Hollis has one that is called Baking Yesteryear. I actually, I haven't baked from it at all yet. I don't have a physical copy of it yet, but the week it came out, it was the number one selling book in the country. Not cookbook, book.
2: Whoa, um, no way. Yes.
0: He, his whole premise is, and if, you know, if folks Google him and see, you may have seen him before you recognize, he's a pretty recognizable guy, but he cooks vintage recipes. He bakes vintage recipes. So he will pull out spiral-bound cookbooks from the 50s that he's collected, and like here's a cottage cheese jello salad sort of thing um, that he'll make. And so he wrote a book called Baking Yesteryear, plating the past with the best recipes from the 1900s to the 1980s. And I haven't baked from it, but it looks really interesting and fun. And it clearly was a hit. Like, it, it soared to the top of the charts the day it came That's out. That's
2: so fascinating to me. If I were a cookbook editor, maybe this is why I don't work at a publisher and I just get to talk into a microphone. Sure. <laughs> and someone pitched that idea to me. I mean, it could be the power of his personality, and his channel his tiktok channel so i'm taking that out of the equation which obviously might be the biggest piece of the equation sure but i'd be like "Mm, i'm not sure that that concept's gonna hit big it's so interesting
0: it feels like a bit of a gamble and and not the one that you would necessarily think would be like a breakout cookbook star
2: it's kind of awesome though
0: and then there's other folks you know like jake cohen has a new book this year he's really he's he's did well on TikTok and has a huge following there, but he also has worked in food media for a long time. So there's a whole, you know, collection of, of TikTok books. And I know there's a bunch coming next year too. So like that, that trend has not died down at all.
2: It will not slow, yeah. Cannot slow that train. Yeah.
0: It seems to be working. So.
2: Okay. I'm going to tell you that I have a preconceived notion, having not even looked at any of these books, that even if they're good and reliable that they may not be well-suited to the busy family cook. Uh So let's get into that. What is, in your opinion, the best book this year for tired family cooks?
0: Yes, great question. I would say... And I'll tell you, you know, I feel like I say this every year. It's so hard to pick just one. But if I had to pick one for for tired family cooks, busy family cooks, I would say um, Noah Galutin, who's a little bit of not a TikTok star, but a little bit of an internet star, published his first solo cookbook this year. He's worked on a couple other cookbooks previously as a a co-author or a ghostwriter. And it's called the Don't Panic Pantry Cookbook. Uh, He and his wife, the stand-up comedian, Eliza Schlesinger, did this. um, They were making videos from their home kitchen during the pandemic, cooking stuff from the pantry. He's a chef. And it it did well, and he sold this cookbook uh, concept. And he has three different versions of this broccoli pasta in there, and I make it probably every other week. Um, There's a pescatarian version, a vegetarian version, and one with a rosemary and sausage that's my go-to but he cooks the broccoli until it really breaks down and almost becomes like a pesto so you're just kind of like cooking this broccoli until it gets really smooth and silky not pureeing it but just like cooking it down yeah. um, so simple i think it's you know under 10 ingredients probably really easy like pasta dish the whole premise of the book is you know stuff you can make from your pantry and the title don't panic pantry is really his ethos too, right? Like he he's he's pretty calm. We had him on on Salt and Spine podcast earlier this year, and he's just like you know, take what's in your pantry. Like you're gonna be fine. He has this miso roast chicken with vegetables, too, that's, like, really easy. You can prep it the day before Yum. or the morning before, and it just sits in your fridge, pop it in the oven, and it's, like, nice and miso-y. He's funny, too. He's married to a famous stand-up comedian, right? So, you know, the, the book <laughs> itself is kind of comical. She went on tour with him. But that that is, like, one that I have turned to several times as myself, a tired and busy home cook <laughs> yeah, <sorry. laughs> this year. Yeah. The other one I'll say that that I really loved and I, I've only cracked into a little bit is Tamar Adler's Everlasting Meal cookbook. She wrote the Everlasting Meal a while ago and then she wrote this cookbook this year that has, I'm not exaggerating here, 1,500 ideas for how to repurpose leftovers. OMG, oh, that's a yes. lot. Yes. And it's categorized uh, alphabetically with Anything you might have left over, everything from like potato chip crumbs to cabbage that you have left over to like some leftover applesauce. What do you, you can just turn alphabetically to that section and get a handful, a dozen ideas of something you can do with, you know, your, your leftover. Burrito can become fried rice um, the next day. Like, it's it's such a helpful guide to have and to eliminate food waste, which is always something to be cognizant of. And just like, I feel like that's a, a useful tool for busy home cooks.
1: Everlasting Meal is one of those books that like reminds me of salt, acid, fat, heat. Uh-huh. in that it's a book that teaches you how to cook without a recipe. And so I think it's so genius that now there is a compilation of not not recipes, but like these ideas to just help get you in that mind frame.
0: Yeah. Everlasting Meal is one of those incredible books. I, Nigella Lawson said once that it's her go-to gift. She gives that book to everybody when she, she needs a gift to give. So that's very high praise. That is high praise, right?
1: Yeah. And maybe a good segue into the next category, which is on the other spectrum from us tired and haggard home cooks and to <laughs> the more inspired home cooks, maybe those people who want to stretch their cooking abilities.
0: Well, I've got two for you. And Interestingly, one is in that same vein of um, Salt Fat Acid Heat, of Everlasting Meal, and it's Sola El Waley's new and first book, Start Here, which I haven't gotten my physical copy yet, but I I peeked at some of the pages. The the physical copy is 656 pages. Like it is a beast of a cookbook. Yeah. The notes on the book compare it to Salt Fat Acid Heat or Kenji Lopez's uh, Food Lab. Like it really is uh, a guide to learning about how to cook why things behave the way they do in the kitchen, the science of cooking. That I'm really excited about that one as like a inspirational place for people who want to like engage the whole family, engage the kids in the cooking. You know, she talks about how adding salt or acid to eggs will make them ultra tender if you kind of let that break down some of the proteins in the eggs. So you're really like you you could cook through this book for a year or more honestly um, and continue to learn and be inspired and it's not just a science book I mean there's great recipes here she has a charred lemon risotto that looks incredible a lemon pecorino and potato pizza that sounds amazing crispy skin salmon with radishes and knock chom like they're creative but simple Yum. recipes and it's all sort of sandwiched enveloped in this um, science lesson and culinary skills lesson so I think that's a a really good one to pick up if you're feeling inspired, want to learn, want to just be creative.
1: She became a parent this year also. So that's I'm like, right. what will the follow up book be? Will it be 100 pages and just like
0: the <laughs> essentials as a follow up? That's right. Yes. I'm very curious to see that too. Um, The other one that I'm really excited about is Company by Amy Thielen. She's a Midwesterner. And the book, it's uh, not her first book. She's written several books before. And it's called Company, The Radically Casual Art of Cooking for Others. And it's really designed to be... uh, She kind of bills it as a dinner party book. But I think it's just like really fun and inspiring recipes that anybody would be excited to make. Like she has a, a warm wilted spinach salad with celery root and crispy shiitakes that just feels so great this time of year. Um, a steamed eggplant dish with chili oil, lemon, and nuja. Bok choy salad with ramen, almond brittle, which sounds so cool creative to me. And it's not summer anymore, but this like photograph she has of this muskmelon caprese salad just looks incredible. So I feel like it's a great one if you're feeling like you want to have people over, you're feeling inspired to create some creative dishes. She presents menus in the book. So she sort of guides you into what goes well together. And it's pretty health conscious like it's it's pretty vegetable focused it's not a vegetarian book um, by any means there's meat throughout but it's one that like it, it feels like nourishing and exciting and i think works just as well for like a dinner party or like a fun sunday night dinner with the family
1: Stacy it's getting warmer and the weather has me so ready for a wardrobe update but I want it to be for the long haul without spending a fortune. Quince is your
2: place it's not easy to get quality pieces that you can count on to last without investing a ton of money but at Quince I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me
1: looking effortlessly chic year after year. Not only is By Heart an easy-to-digest formula, their formula is also clinically proven for easier digestion, less spit-up, and softer poops versus leading infant formula. By Heart has their own patented protein blend that includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey-to-casein ratio, just like in early breast milk, which is tailor-made for a newborn's digestive system. Curious about By Heart? Redeem Your Welcome offer at buyheart.com slash podcast with code D-I-J-F-Y for a limited time. That's buyheart.com slash podcast and code D-I-J-F-Y. Short for Didn't I Just Feed You. Additional terms and conditions apply.
2: Okay, so we talked about parents. I'm going to hop for a second over to kids. Sure. Because I don't know. I guess I'm sort of excited to hear what you think the best cookbooks for kids are this year, because in the time that we have known each other, I've gone from having a pre-tween to a full-on teenager who loves to cook. So I'm curious, like what's on the list that works for kids?
0: Yeah. And I'm always sort of torn because I I feel like there are books that come out every year that are specifically geared towards kids. And I think those can be really great. And I also feel like there's books that aren't geared towards kids that I think kids would really resonate with, especially, you know, preteens, teens teens who are really taking an interest in cooking. So the one that's like geared towards kids came out early this year from Ken Oranger, the the beloved Boston chef, and his daughter, who's 13, Vervienne, and it's called Cooking with My Dad, the Chef. Uh, 70 kid-tested, kid-approved recipes for young chefs. All the recipes are tested by America's Test Kitchen Kids Division. Um, they have a, a division of kid recipe testers with 15,000 families and counting. I didn't know that, but that's... That's, that's um, very cool. Yeah, that's really cool. So they they worked with them to get all of the recipes tested by at-home kid recipe testers. Uh, but his daughter, Vervienne, was actually diagnosed with celiac disease when she was younger. So all the recipes are gluten-free. Um, but they feel really excited. I, you know, her dad's a renowned chef. So like they're, they're creative too. There's um, a miso banana bread that looks really great. There's a ramen cacio e pepe that looks pretty simple, but like easily achievable. Mochi waffles with salted caramel sauce, I'm sure would be a hit in like in most homes. So that feels like a a great one. If you're, you're interested in one that's like specifically targeted towards kids. She co-wrote it with her dad. Like it's very fun and accessible
2: I love that also because I have a I'm close with a family where the teenager has celiac as well as the mom. And it's tougher than you would think, even with kids who are 15 and 16 and totally capable of like managing their own diet and allergy and taking care of themselves. You know, we often talk about younger kids being bummed at the birthday party that they can't have, you know, the whatever treat because it isn't dairy free or gluten free or has nuts. But it's also really hard for teenagers and it can get teenagers fixated on their diet in a way that you need them to be to keep themselves safe, but then can get into like tricky, murky waters. So I love that this book isn't particularly focused on a gluten-free diet, but then just is and is a resource because there are so few resources like that for families and kids who have to be gluten-free. So I'm super excited about that one
0: yeah, I, I love books like that too, that are just naturally something yeah, exactly. you know, they're just they're yes. it's not, yeah, it it still feels really exciting and delicious, yeah. the other one that that isn't specifically targeted towards kids, but I think would be a hit with a lot of um older kids, although interestingly, my four year old is obsessed with her is Molly Boz and her new book. So her new book is more is more. My older daughter is four years old. She, like, She's a little bit of an old soul. Like, she she requests Dolly Parton all the time. She's obsessed with Julie Andrews and Bob Ross, um, but also obsessed with Molly Boz. Like, she always oh wants God, to watch. I
2: love her. I want to hang out with your daughter. I know.
0: I know. We went to a restaurant the other night and they had Bob Ross played on the TV, and she was just like, Bob Ross! <laughs> like, she she is a little bit of an old soul, but she loves Molly Boz and always wants to watch her YouTube videos. Molly Boz doesn't have the cleanest mouth. So I'm like put yes. like having my four-year-old watch it. Sometimes I'm like, Ew. but she's just like she's enthralled and she'll sit and watch, you know, her 10, 15 minute cooking videos on YouTube endlessly if I would let her. And she's she's thrilled to have like Molly Boz's books in the house. We saw it at the bookstore the other day and she's like, I have that Molly Boz book. And her new book, you know, she's she's done so well with her first book, uh, Cook This Book. Her her new book that just came out recently this year is called More Is More, and I think it's a great one for older kids because the recipes are not too complicated, but they're really creative. There there's something you wouldn't find in a lot of other cookbooks. You know, she kind of she came out of. Bon Appetit and food media and sort of, I think, knows how to build a really like eye-catching and almost trendy recipe in a way that doesn't feel like too trendy, like it, it has lasting power. And In her first book, she had some QR codes on like basic skills, right, which I think is great for young people or people who are learning to cook. You could scan the QR code and she would show you how to dice an onion, for instance. In the second book, this new book, she ups that even more and has a bunch of QR codes throughout the book that have full-on video and audio tutorials, so you can actually cook along with her. From the book, that
2: is so cool.
0: Yeah, which I think we've seen a few books starting to do that, but she's just become such an online presence. Like her YouTube channel has has gone viral so many times. Her recipes go viral all the time. So the fact that she leaned into that, like that she can be right next to you in the kitchen, um, I I think is really exciting for like young cooks and. I cook a fair amount of her recipes because I find them really creative too. And I, I think her ingredient combinations can be inspiring when you're thinking about how to create recipes of your own. So I'm a big fan of of her latest book and so is my four-year-old. <laughs>
2: I was gonna say, are you cooking her recipes because your four-year-old is demanding them? <laughs> yeah. So you
1: can it's a little bribery, a little manipulation. You're like, this is a Molly Baas recipe.
0: It's a little bit of that. She will. She she's a bit of a picky eater, um, but Fair. she'll she'll try most things. And if she loves Molly Baugh's recipes, she loves Hetty McKinnon recipes. I'm like, those are the two that like. If I make one of those, she's like into it. So
1: she's got good taste. She Listen, does. This is a, a picky eating technique that we've never it's advertised true. before. It's we've never true. talked about. I'm like, oh, you find a food personality they love and and just cook as many of their recipes as possible.
0: It's yeah. So I mean the problem like is that. she just wants to make her chocolate chip cookies all the time and nothing else, which like fine because <laughs> they are delicious, but um but she's, yeah, it's it's been fun to see her take excitement in like the recipes at a, at a young age.
1: Is there something unique about her chocolate chip cookie
0: or is it just... Well, the unique thing um, is that she hates chocolate. Molly Boz is like very open that she despises chocolate. So she developed a recipe that she thought would make a good chocolate chip cookie and then added chocolate at the end. But it's a pistachio and halva chocolate chip cookie. So she incorporates pistachio and brown butter. So she incorporates brown butter, halva and pistachio, into the dough and then tops it with more chocolate, more halva, more, more halva pieces, more pistachio crumbles and a little flaky salt, of course. So it's, it's a very good chocolate chip cookie recipe, especially having been developed by someone who does not eat chocolate. Yeah.
1: That's very funny. I, this yeah. as a total aside, I had a boyfriend in high school who said his favorite cookie was a chocolate chip cookie without the chocolate chips.
0: Interesting. And yeah. I always thought
1: that meant he was kind of basic. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's another a great entry point into our next couple of categories, my favorite, which is like what is the best easy baking cookbook of this of this year?
0: Yes. So easy baking cookbooks. I am really excited about Snacking Bakes by Yassi Arefi. She wrote snacking cakes um in like early pandemic, I wanna say, like came out maybe right before or right as pandemic was happening. Really book did very well because people were like excited about this concept of a snacking cake, right? It's just like a simple easy cake that you can have, you know, a day-to-day cake. It's not a 10-layer cake. It's not a complicated thing. And when um, you're talking so sh-
2: about everyone, you're talking about me.
0: Stacy's
1: like one of her favorites.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. I was looking right at you. Um, <laughs> well, you, if you loved her first book, I'm sure you will love her second book, too. She still has some cakes in here, but the, the concept expands a bit to um, having snacking bakes, snacking things that are made usually in one bowl in under an hour, like simple baked goods. And really, she relies on a lot of other flavor elements to just up the flavor. So like malted milk powder is a big thing in some of her recipes. Using instant espresso, she has a mocha banana cake that has cocoa and espresso and looks so, I love anything banana in terms of baked goods. But I love that she's expanded into more snacking bake ideas, right? I feel like it's such a great concept and it's, it's great for easy, simple weeknight baking. She still includes a few cakes. Of course, she has a strawberry lime almond cake that looks incredible too. And sprinkled throughout, of course, are like baking tips, how, how to sort of up your baking game and just feel more natural as you're baking in the kitchen.
1: Yeah, we find our audience is really drawn to like what they can do in a weeknight. There's not as many project bakers in our community. But I, I, you mentioned sort of in the beginning talking about how cookbooks have changed and how like fewer people are tending to their sourdough now. So I'm so curious, is there a project baking book that came out in 2023 that you think is worthwhile? And is it sourdough related?
0: You know, it's a little bit sourdough related, actually. Okay. So, the one I'm really excited about, and I just got it a couple of weeks ago. So, I haven't baked from it much yet, but I'm just like enthralled with all the recipes. Um, it's called Bread and Roses. And it's by Rose Wild, who is a pastry chef in Los Angeles who got her start by baking sourdough breads and delivering them by bike to people around the neighborhood. And People were like, we love this sourdough, spiraled, spiraled, spiraled. She opened a bakery. She became a pastry chef at like some of the top restaurants in Los Angeles. Um, And the whole premise is she, or it all sort of harkens back to those early days of fermented sourdough baking, but also um, whole grains and an emphasis on whole grain baking. So if that's something you haven't done a lot of, like it feels like a great book. There's It's got a whole guide at the beginning on like how to taste different grains to know how they're going to perform in a baked dish. She has different tastes. There's, there's like a porridge test. There's a, a um, tongue test where you put the grain directly on your tongue and sort of let it hang out there for a minute. Um, so really understanding like how to use freshly milled whole grains in your baking. But the recipes are just so creative. Um, I am really excited about her corn cookies with candied mango and pink peppercorn sugar for the holidays. Like, hello. That sounds incredible.
2: That's wild.
0: And it's not just baking. So I I picked it as like a project baking book because it is like, there's, I would say maybe 50% of the recipes are baked goods. She has these oat spice crumble biscuit rolls that are like a cinnamon roll without any frosting. They just have this like granola like crumble on top that looks so good. But she also has savory recipes too. So there's um, a sourdough pasta that uses farro um, in there she has some other savory recipes too some savory hand pies that she likens to the hot pockets of her college days so it's just like a really creative book it's definitely more project focused and she she also has a chocolate chip cookie recipe like any good baking book and hers was voted the best chocolate chip cookie in Los Angeles by LA oh, Weekly wow. okay. it's an oatmeal chocolate chunk cookie oh. so Add that to your chocolate chip cookie lineup as well.
2: I, I can see on Megan's face <laughs> <laughs> that she's like, Oh, is it?
1: <laughs> okay. No. Well, okay. You Wanting know, need to oat, make it. <laughs> Oatmeal chocolate chip is the chocolate chip cookie my mom always made, mm. but she okay. used the one off of like the Quaker instant oats, like the underside of the cap of yeah. the tube. Right. Yeah. And always added like a ton of cinnamon. So everything has to compare to my mom's cookie which is not saying a lot she's not a cook not a baker <laughs> but there's like the nostalgia there
0: yeah but it's hard I, to compare
1: it's hard to compare but i think chocolate chip cookies will never die but i think it's really interesting uh because like to hear that she came out of LA and like the sa- the sourdough relation because we also had Jennifer Latham who was the mm-hmm. bread director at Tartine on to talk about her book bread baking with kids which is another great project book in a different direction and so it's it's just that thing of like what's coming out of tiktok but then also what is coming out of this like old world traditional cooking and traditional bakeries as far as cookbook influence and food media influence
0: yeah for sure
2: So the next category, actually, this one came from our editor, producer, Samantha, but I'm really curious about it because I had this experience over the pandemic where I asked my husband who has ADHD to help more in the kitchen Uh because I was just cooking so, so much and it was such an interesting experiment (laughs) for all of us, like what worked for him, what didn't work for him. And we also had a very interesting interview with Casey Davis, who is a TikTok star, an author, a therapist, who talks a lot about not just cooking, but like keeping a home and parenting with ADHD. And so Megan and I have done a lot of thinking this year about neurodivergence And how, you know, we come from this very regimented world. Like, we were both trained that there is a proper way to write a recipe. Right. There there are some variations. You know, Megan and I will have, like, style differences and we talk about it. But there's, like, a methodology, an approach. It's not willy-nilly where it's, like, Megan's style and my style. And that doesn't work for everybody. So it's just really interesting thinking about no recipe cookbooks and... Thinking about how Ali Slagle has played with recipe format, we were just curious if you had any thoughts on cookbooks. I don't know. We wouldn't say best because I don't know that any of us are experts and there probably isn't one best, but cookbooks that might be an interesting pull for people who are neurodivergent, who really like to cook, but find that traditional approaches to recipe writing just don't work great for them.
0: I am also not an expert, but I have two that are sort of different um, in different veins. And one is directly related to what you're talking about in terms of recipe format. And, you know, Ali Slagle in her first book, um, I Dream of Dinner, she did go back to that way of recipe writing that was sort of popularized by Joy of Cooking, where the ingredients are listed within the recipe. I feel like that's such an interesting approach and can be a unique approach for people who, who don't like the traditional recipe format or doesn't work for them. Another person who does that, who I'm a huge fan of, and I think this is the first book he did this this way of his, Nick Sharma's new book, Veg Table. Which, you know, is the word it's vegetable. Cute. It's yes. so cute, right? But it's vegetable the word, but there's a hyphen right there, veg table. And he also adopts this approach of writing recipes where the ingredients and the amounts are listed in the the narrative context of the recipe. His recipes are just so creative. And he also has his book this latest book is is really obviously focused on vegetables. Um, he's not a vegetarian but it's it's a vegetable book and the book opens with like a, a map of the world and where all these plants originate from and goes into this very scientific, section with charts showing, like, vegetables by their growing season, which parts we eat and don't eat, the weight, like, um, storage and cooking tips, just, like, this, it's all organized by, like, by plant family, like, it's very scientific, Um, but then when you actually get to a recipe, like, I coincidentally, just open this book to one of the ones I've already made, which is um, a lettuce salad with avocado Caesar dressing. And it's just, it's written in a narrative way that I think is such a, a unique and useful approach to recipe writing. We also just did an interview with Viola Butoni, whose new book, uh, Italy by Ingredient. She has a recipe that's written like in a narrative format as well. Um, so I think that's book from Nick Sharma is, is one if you want to Play around with the recipe format. um, And his recipes are just like so incredibly creative. He has a popcorn chicken recipe from a previous book that I make like at least once a month um, with fried curry leaves. It's delicious. The other one that I think is really fun is are you all familiar with um, Francois Régis Gaudry? no the French podcaster no Um, okay he's a French podcaster and he's written two cookbooks now Um, and the first one was called let's eat France obviously Um, actually I think he wrote three because he wrote let's eat Italy and then he just published a third one called let's eat Paris the essential guide to the world's most famous food city they're unlike any other cookbook you've ever seen first of all they're massive I mean I'm I know we're on an audio thing right now, but I'm holding it next to my head so you can see it's, like, twice the size of my head. It's definitely, like, massive coffee table book. The entire thing is presented in infographic and, like, illustrated format. So every single page lives on its own. So you can open up to any page and you... You know, you open up to a page, I'm looking at the the French book now, um, but you open up to a page that's all about like crustaceans and like history of crustaceans and how to use them. And there's recipes, but you know, it's like, 375 recipes, over 350 topics, maps, charts, tricks, tips, anecdotes, like everything you need to know about the history of whatever cuisine he's focused on. So the the most recent one is Paris. but I feel like that's just an incredible one to have um, for somebody who wants to like dive in deep, who approaches um, information in a graphical way and they're just like they're so beautiful and so creative and massive and fun. <laughs>
1: I thought that maybe because you mentioned that he's a podcaster, there was going to be an audio tie-in. But it made me think of what you were sharing about Molly Baz's second book, having an audio component to a lot of the recipes. And I think that that's like a really interesting format to be able to deliver recipe instruction, not only in a narrative way, but in a different sensory processing way.
0: For sure, that is too. And yeah, I think Molly Baz's book does that so well. I don't know of a lot of other books that are doing that. There were there was a podcast a long time ago, not a long time ago, a few years ago, by Cal Patterson, who used to, who's a cookbook author and used to be the chef at Chez Panisse for many years, um, called Cooking by Ear, where he had celebrity guests on and you would cook in real time along with them. So that sort of content it's out there, and some folks are leaning into it, like Molly Boz. But yeah, that's a, a great way to sort of approach cooking too.
1: It would be really interesting to see if that changes to, like, more people being out of their homes and wanting to um, listen to content rather than be, like, reading or watching things as well. Right. I want to jump to the next category, which is the single subject cookbook. I feel like we've seen this a lot in, like, the last five years of food is that people are really, like, laser focusing on one like nachos or meatballs. So is there something great that came out this year in that regard?
0: My favorite this year is um, not even single subject, it's single ingredient. And it's the Chili Crisp book. It's just called Chili Crisp by James Park, who is a little bit of an internet sensation. At first, I was like a whole book on Chili Crisp. Like what? what is this going to be, you know, before I cracked it open. But it's so creative and inventive. And there's he not only, of course, has recipes for various chili crisps that you can make and have on hand, but chili crisp is then incorporated into his recipes in so many creative ways. Um, He has a a biscuit recipe, Chili Crisp Biscuits, where he actually incorporates Chili Crisp into the biscuit dough and then does like a honey butter glaze on top of them. He has a Bucatini Carbonara that has Chili Crisp worked into it. He does like morning oats with jammy eggs, pork floss, and Chili Crisp, of course. Um, Or even like I had him on the show a while ago and uh, we talked about his spaghetti and Meatball recipes, which was one of the first recipes he played around with when he was trying to think about how to incorporate chili crisp into things. And that was, he said he sort of had this aha moment of like, most of us you know, who love chili crisp, and it's having a bit of a moment these days, just kind of drizzle it on top for some spice, right? And he said when he was making spaghetti and meatballs, it was that revelation that no, that it should be in the meatball. Like we need to put the chili crisp in the meatball and into the sauce and like it, it, you can layer it throughout and it takes this complexity like any other ingredient would as you cook with it. So he's just he's such a fun online personality his recipes are really great and i feel like that's like a really fun single subject little book to have if you like spicy foods
2: it also looks really fun it's really beautiful
0: it's so pretty the cover is just like a close-up shot of chili crisp like under almost not under a microscope but like a real close-up shot and it's like it's stunning
2: Okay, our next category is one that I really hoped we wouldn't have to ask you more than one year in a row.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh, no.
2: Here we are (laughs) (laughs) looking for a cookbook that helps us eat our feelings.
0: Uh, Yes.
2: (laughs) You know, I really like I did. We did this through covid. Of course we did. All the years are a blur now. It seemed like the world was on fire and then it might stop being on fire and it's it
0: hasn't. Yeah. So,
2: we're still cooking to eat our feelings, Brian.
0: Help yes. us out.
2: What should we pull this year?
0: You know, I took this in a slightly different direction this year. You know, I I love this category. But I was thinking like, okay, when you want to eat your emotions, and Mm. the first thing that came to my mind, (laughs) (laughs) this isn't weird, but the first thing that came to my mind is, I think probably one of my favorite cookbooks of the year, it's Hedy McKinnon's new book, Tender Heart. And so it's not like when we say when you want to eat your emotions, this is not a book of like guilty foods right or like pleasure foods or things that are going to be like really fatty and cheesy or anything like that that you just want to like wallow in yeah this is one where she this is her fifth cookbook now and it's an ode to her father who passed away when she was a teenager and it's a cookbook memoir and I think when I'm thinking about eating your emotions it's just like you get sucked into this cookbook and it's Mm. such a warm book like you wouldn't think a cookbook on like somebody losing their father would be this powerful but like she writes so beautifully about how her family navigated it the r- memories and relationship about grief and love and how food really like played a part of her relationship with her father from an early age and it's just a stunning book. It's also a massive book. I don't know how, exactly how many pages, but it's a, a doorstopper. And she's a vegetarian, and it's another one of those books where like you wouldn't know that it's a vegetable book if you'd made a menu out of it and served it to people. They would be thrilled. And she she has a lot of takes on... Creative adaptations of more traditional recipes. So she takes carbonara, but makes like infuses the flavors through a cabbage carbonara ish, she calls it. Um, One of my favorites that I've made a few times now is she makes an egg salad, but with no egg. Instead, she puts roasted Brussels sprouts in with the mayonnaise and the mustard and the dill and like on a piece of toasted sourdough bread it's just like incredible or she does like Japanese katsu but with eggplant instead of mm. you know pork um, she does a cow soy uh, Thai soup with, mm-hmm. with mushrooms instead of chicken or pork it's just, like every it's one of those books where uh, when I was talking to her about it I'm like how can it be so moving and powerful and like it brings emotion like you feel emotional reading it and it it touches you and then you flip the page you're like oh my god I need to make these chocolate eggplants. Brownies today. Like, it's... Yeah. It, it. She really does an amazing job of, like, making a book that's beautiful and emotional and powerful and, like, so e- craveable and accessible and, it, like I said, it's one of my favorite books of the year.
2: I love this choice and I love your approach to it because I, I was joking about how <laughs> it would be nice to not need this category. Right. But, because we still do all these years later... I do think that all of us being able to turn into personal stories and reconnect, you know, and not be thinking all the time about how it feels like the world is on fire and just like it's too much. It's too overwhelming. Just personal stories connecting back to our own humanity, our own human experiences, those of our friends, our neighbors, our family. Like those are the stories and that's where we're going to get strength to keep on keeping on <laughs> these That's days. Right. right. So a book like that seems like a perfect choice for it. And you're right. It is absolutely
0: gorgeous. It's so beautiful. She shoots mm-hmm. all the photos herself, which, you know, again, is hearkening back to her father, who was a, an amateur photographer. And um, her previous book, To Asia With Love, she shot on his his camera. I don't think she did with this one, but she, you know, she got that photography bug from him. And it's just, it's so beautiful. And one, you want to curl up with and feel emotional about and then cook from
1: I kind of want to take us out right there but I don't want to leave without the opportunity to ask you if there are any books that you weren't able to bring into our categories that you feel like are must-haves from 2023
0: it's so hard because I feel like there's so many I feel like you know Honestly, closing with Hetty McKinnon feels right to me because she's such a star and her work is incredible and her latest book is so good because I could give you 40 more that I, I really love, but I think hers is the one that like feels like the book of the year to me.
1: Excellent. And for people who want to know about the 40 more cookbooks that you might recommend, Salt
0: and Spine is a wonderful resource for
1: our listeners to find and go follow you.
0: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we, we feature, you know, cookbook authors every week. So it's a lot of fun.
1: Thank you again for being our favorite guest yay of all times.
0: <laughs> of all times. I love it. I Thanks love it. every year. I'm going to yes. add it to my biography. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to claim it before somebody <laughs> We're here else for that. can. You should. So, here for that. You, should. <laughs> yeah. you
1: should. We would appreciate right. it. Thank you so much. so much
0: fun. I have so much fun every year. Thank you.
2: Okay, Megan, usually we come out of episodes and we chit chat, but we chit chatted so much with Brian already. And I am actually dying on this one. I know we say it as a matter of course, we can't wait to hear from our community. But for real, I want to hear from our community because I think hearing directly from busy parents about what cookbooks they actually use is so informative and helpful to us. Because You know, like, you can get a cookbook and be like, I love this cookbook. Everything makes my mouth water. I want to make everything. Everything's dog-eared. But, like, sometimes those aren't the ones that you actually pull off the shelf and use to just get dinner on the table. It's
1: very true.
2: Right? So I want to hear from our community. This year, what were the cookbooks that you just found yourself turning to night after night, week after week? And, guys we told you all about our supporting community at the top of the episode. There is also a free space in our community. And to join that, all you need to do is share your email, which we never share with anybody. And that would get you into the community space where we're having this conversation. You can chime in on the cookbooks, and you can also get access to our recipe archive. So go to didn't I just feed you.com backslash community. Look at your options. Of course, if you want to be a supporter of Didn't I Just Feed You? That's there too. But again, you can just join the free space and tell us what is your favorite cookbook of the
1: year. You can also keep in touch with us on Instagram where we are at Didn't I Just Feed You or by signing up for our newsletter. We think it's really great. We only send out about one a month unless we have something super fun going on. And I'm not gonna say anything except for that you might want to be signed up for the newsletter in January. And of- you just did! You told them something. <laughs> and you're of course don't forget to subscribe to Didn't I Just Video wherever you get your podcast. And if you're already a subscriber, how about leaving us a rating or review? That would be a nice little gift for us for the end of the year.
2: Or tell your friends. Yes. Hey guys, do something for us. We want gifts. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> It can be a free gift. Listen, our
1: goal is to help as many busy home cooks as yes. possible. And we can't do that if they don't know that we exist. So tell your friends, tell your book club, tell your PTA, tell your librarian. A huge thank you to our editor, Samantha
2: Getzik. I'm Megan. And I'm Stacy. Stay sane and well fed until next time. Be sure to subscribe to Didn't I Just Feed You wherever you're listening. And don't forget to rate and review.